This is the time of year when people feel as though they need a bay, they need a boo. It's getting cold outside, so I need somebody to snuggle up with. And what I'm trying to attempt to articulate is don't you dare allow a season to cause for you to create one. Did y'all hear what I just said? Don't allow a season to cause for you to create one. You better crank up the heat, get an extra blanket, read Proverbs, binge a series. It is better for you to have your heater on and an extra blanket and be in the will of God than for you to be kept warm by a real devil. All right. Because seasons change with time, but cycles change when you do. Did y'all hear me? Seasons change with time and cycles change when you do. And I believe nothing else can impact your emotional health and your mental health like first, your relationship with Jesus, and then secondly, your relationship with people. Because if you don't understand that God already set your value, I'm preaching already. If you don't understand that God has already set your value to priceless, if you don't know your value is priceless and you can't see it, you will constantly entertain those who don't see it as well. Okay? And for my married people, I, I want this to be a series that reminds us that marriage should be your assistant to wellness. Not your incubator to illness. Okay? As I was researching this and preparing this, I was looking at this article about what do people look for in relationships? And the answers were somebody that makes me laugh. Somebody that I can spend time with. Somebody that really loves my presence. Someone who is romantic. And I'm looking at that list, I'm like, none of this has anything to do with character. None of it. So what culture is doing, when we allow culture to be our professors, it will cause for you to only look for your preference, but then overlook character. Did you hear me? Character is what you're going to have to live with. You might say I do to your preference, but you're going to experience their character. Jesus has a lot to say about this, so I want to get to our foundational scriptures and then get to work. Is it all right if I do that? There are three foundational scriptures that we are going to exegete for the time that we have together on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. The first one is Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. Then we're going to head to Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is for all of my note takers. Matthew chapter 7 verse 16. Matthew chapter 19 verse 4. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Matthew chapter 7 verse 16. A little context. This is Jesus explaining to us how to identify false prophets and anything that is fraudulent. So Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, he says, by their fruit, somebody say fruit. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree 
bears good, what's that word? Fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. I want you to notice, don't be attracted to just trees because trees bear fruit. You're going to have to make sure, is this bad fruit or is this good fruit? Then in Matthew chapter 19, when the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the pastors of that day rolled up on Jesus and said, can we divorce our wife for any reason? This is what Jesus responds to him, responds to them and says, haven't you read? <laughs> Y'all didn't laugh because to me that's insulting. Like a pastor, somebody who knows, like these are men who have been studying the Torah since they were seven. Can quote all of the first five books of the Bible. He's like, uh, pastor, you ever read your Bible? Haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female, not male and male, not female and female. The creator at the beginning made male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. So one of the testaments of biblical manhood is when a man is no longer in daddy's wallet and off of mama's breast. Okay. Leave his father and mother and be united to his side chick. That's what the text says. <laughs> united to his wife and the two become one the two become one flesh put a mental bookmark there so they are no longer y'all talk to me two but one flesh therefore what god has joined together let no one separate then first corinthians chapter 6 verse 16 is where we're going to conclude our foundational reading paul says it this way do you not know that he who unites himself with the prostitute? Oh, it's going to get real here today. I feel it already. Do you not know that he who unites himself with the prostitute is, what's that word? One with her in body. For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Our clause of concern and our verses of emphasis lives first in the latter part of our foundational text in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says, um, do you pick grapes from Thorn bushes? Do you gather figs from thistles? Don't miss it. Jesus asked the question. He says, are, are, are you picking grapes from thorn bushes? In other words, Jesus is asking us this question. Why are you expecting a good outcome from a wrong place? Why are you expecting a good outcome from a bad pick? Because bad picks pollute hearts. 
Hope y'all are ready today. Bad picks pollutes hearts. Something happens to a heart of a man. And something happens on the inside of the heart of a woman when you expected grapes, but you got thorns. Y'all not talking to me. Something happens on the inside of you when you thought you were getting figs, but you got thistles. You thought that you were getting good fruit, but you got thorns. Because bad picks pollutes hearts. Your heart wasn't that cold until you start dating them. Your heart wasn't that fearful until you start talking to them. Your heart wasn't that closed until you called them your bae. And I understand, sometimes you're going to have to turn your heart away. But for the love of God, don't turn your heart off. Are you really an introvert or are you into hurt? I need to know, how was your heart before you met them? Have you changed your personality and changed the way you view yourself due to a bad pick? Because bad picks pollutes hearts. You, you, you weren't that negative until you start talking to them. You weren't that negative until you start sleeping with them. Oops. You weren't that negative. It, this is the pollution of a bad pick. And this is why I'm doing this series. So that all of my married couples, your marriage can get off of life support. God did not design for your marriage to stay there. And I'm praying and I'm believing that by the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, we will hear testimonies from married couples who their marriage went from enduring to enjoying. This is why I'm doing this series. I'm doing this series for all of my singles, all of those who desire your marriage. I'm doing this for your future marriage because God needs more kingdom marriages in the earth. I'm talking about couples who advance the kingdom of heaven together. Couples who terrify hell together. Couples who have made a united collaborative effort and are dismantling strongholds together and are tearing down dysfunction together. I'm not doing this to cultivate power couples. Culture, culture already has that. What I want to raise up is empowered couples. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit together. We are empowered by the living water together. We are empowered by the living bread together. We are an empowered couple. Power couples are all about your status and your money. Empowered couple is about what you could do together in the spirit. I'm doing this series so that all of your resume of your bad picks won't cause for you to now have a bad heart. Because pain bursts paranoia. And now, of, now oof, many of us already project on people what they're going to do to us because of some pain you experienced. I want us to heal to such a degree to where your resume of bad picks doesn't cause for you to have a bad heart. Because rotten fruit spreads. Did y'all hear what I just said? I want you to see this image of this fruit. If you didn't know, if rotten fruit is right next to good fruit, the good fruit will now start to get rotten because they're connected to somebody who's rotten. This is so good, y'all. Keep showing them more images. The rotten fruit is touching the good fruit. 
Who have you allowed to touch you that's rotten? Rotten fruit. When it touches, hang around, talks to, stays in your DMs. You're dating. You're conversing. When you hang around rotten fruit, it spreads and causes for you to experience rotten areas on the inside of your soul. Do you expect grapes from thorn bushes? Proverbs chapter 13 puts it this way. Um, walk with the wise and you'll become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. It's saying you don't have to be a fool to suffer harm. You just got to hang with them. You just have to let them touch you. You don't have to be a fool. But if all your friends are foolish, are you expecting grapes from thorn bushes, figs from thistles? This is a thorn bush. So why are you praying for it to become a grape bush? Can I put my foot on the gas? Y'all getting quiet. I know it's real. I told you I've grown over the years. I'm not going to play with you today. You're expecting this thorn bush to give you grapes. You're expecting this thing that is toxic to give you health. You're expecting this thing that is dysfunctional to provide you with functional. You made this decision in flesh, therefore, it's not going to edify your spirit. I'm just being obedient, church. You're trying to get right fruit from the wrong place. And this is the part that we have to be careful of. Just because it's your selection does not mean God is going to alter his will to accommodate your pick. One more time. Just because it's your selection does not mean God is going to alter his will to accommodate your pick. Jesus has given us the wisdom. He says, this, this is how you can protect your heart. This is how you have relational intelligence. You need to be a fruit inspector. When he's asking them, do, do you expect grapes from thorns? He's saying, you need to be able to expect, inspect fruit. Many of us right now, you are in a relational context. If we just be honest, you know that this is due to your Ishmael impatience. This is not your Isaac promise. You prayed for God to send you Mr. Right, but you settled for Mr. Right now. The person that's just available. Same for you, brothers. You prayed that God will help you discover Mrs. Right, but you have settled for Mrs. Right now. The person that is just available. The person that won't lead your text on read. The person who will entertain you. Y'all don't want to talk to me. And Jesus is saying, okay, I, I need you to expect, inspect fruit. Because the kingdom of heaven, please hear me, the kingdom of heaven... And the kingdom of darkness do the same thing when it comes to your relationships. They both make sure that your paths cross with what they sent. Did y'all hear me? The kingdom of God and the campaign of hell do the same exact thing when it comes to your relationships. They make sure that what they sent will eventually cross your 
path. God presented Eve to Adam. Adam was the one who said, you are now flesh of my flesh. You are now bone of my bone. The word present in the Hebrew in this context means to parade before. So God will parade before you what is good to help you be fruitful and multiply. But the enemy also will parade before you what is good for you to be distracted, what will cause for you to be depressed, what will cause for you to omit the will of God. It will parade it before you. Jesus is saying, don't pick thorns. So then before you. You make the choice. Stop saying this stuff. God told me this is my spouse. God picked my spouse. If God picked your spouse, you can blame him every time it doesn't work. <laughs> See how quiet it's getting? It's going to be an interesting next few weeks. I will parade before you what is good for you, but it's up to you if you pick it. See, a lot of us friend zones God's will, but end zone fools. All right. Okay, so really, when you're dating, when you're dating, dating is really for two reasons. Y'all ready? Number one, you date for character assessment. Can I get everybody to say character, character. assessment? You are dating, which means you are gathering data. For all of the men, you are interviewing. You are seeing, is this woman worthy of joining my enterprise? And for ladies, you are inspecting to see if he is an enterprise or a recreation. When he is an enterprise, he means business. When he's a recreation, he just wants to play with you. Your time, your mind, your will, your emotions. Does he have the heart of God? I am trying to assess character. That's the first thing. The second thing I'm trying to do when I date is I'm trying to see if our assignments complement. Man, I wish. See, this will help a lot of people. Will this person complement my assignment? So if you don't know your assignment, you won't know who compliments it. Is this making sense? If you don't know what you have been born to do, you won't know who is the best person that God has paraded before you that can help you be fruitful and multiply. And a lot of us are making choices from an ignorant place, and I'm just trying to help you. You are trying to assess character, and you need to see, does this complement God's plan for my life? I'm already doing God's plan for my life before they came. This is not an upgrade. This is just something that we could do together. But I'm not waiting on you until I become obedient. Many times, we're hurting ourselves because we're not trying to see, does this complement my assignment? Can I give y'all a shocking illumination? When you fruit inspect, there is no way for you to be fooled consistently. When you have a prayer life, there is no absolute. You telling me your last five, six relationship, all of them deceived you and you're spirit-led? How are you going to be spirit-led and serial date at the same time? 
Whenever you are a fruit inspector, there is no way possible for you to get deceived consistently. And even when there's fruit you don't understand, you get somebody else's eyes on it. You get a therapist's eyes on it. You get a premarital counselor's eyes on it. You get a pastor's counselor's eyes on it. Because I don't know if this is bad or I don't know if this is good. And I'm not going to bite it to find out. Y'all want a cuffing season. Why y'all so quiet? <laughs> y'all wanted this. There's no way that you could be deceived continuously when you have a devotion life. Now, understand, they might try to old spice. <laughs> they might try to old spice the must of their hidden agenda. They might try to Chanel perfume or Tom Ford cologne, the must of who they really are. But your prayer life, your accountability will eventually allow you to smell some odor. Your purity will cause for you to smell the must of their perversion. This is why purity is a mind protector. I'm trying to help somebody. The reason you can't get them out of your head is because you keep letting them in your bed. Y'all wanted this. How many more times? How many more times? How many more times are you going to lower your standard for a contradiction that leaves you smelling musty? How many more times? How many more times are we going to say, God, when are you going to do this? And God is saying, you don't even know me right now. How many more times? How many more times are we going to come to God because our heart is broken and all along he showed you every red flag, but your favorite color is red. <laughs> I'm going to stay around. How red can it get? How red can it get? That's not really red. That's not really red. That's kind of like cherry. That's not really red. <laughs> Our second verse. That was all for one verse. <laughs> Our second verse of consideration, verse 5 of Matthew chapter 19. And this is where we are going to spend the rest of our time talking from this sermonic journey on this afternoon. And that is when Jesus says, the two become one flesh. The two become one flesh. I was praying and I felt as though God answered me. I said, God, how are we gonna start this series off? And this is what I felt that he gave me in my spirit. Let's allow part one of this cuffing season series, let's do it from this thought, from this subject. Could I become one with that? Could I become one with that? Is that the question that you ask yourself when they slide in the DM? I'm trying to get us to have some spiritual and relational intelligence. Could I become one with that? Because when I look at my history, I see that I have fallen for thorns and I thought that they were grapes. And when you look at the resume of what you picked, here's the question I want to know. Why do you still trust you so much? This is coming for your neck, like your, your soul, your ugula. That's the dangling thing in the back of your throat. It's coming for everything. Can I get somebody to say, could you, could you become, one become one with that? With that. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time.
All the study means absolutely nothing if you aren't magnified, if you aren't glorified. And we recognize, Lord, that you desire for there to be more kingdom marriages in the earth. That starts with first having kingdom men and then secondly having kingdom women who come together and create a kingdom covenant and then have godly offspring. We read that that's what you're after. So God, would you give us the wisdom in our relationships so we'll stop walking around emotionally and mentally broken due to us expecting grapes from thorns. We ask that you do it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer would just shout in the room, amen. Y'all sure y'all still want cuffing season? Okay. Let, let, let's start by saying this confession, all right? Everybody watching online, I want you to put this in the room in all caps. Can I get us to say, Father, Father. help me to discern... Grapes from thorns enhance my spiritual intelligence. Shepherd my life in Jesus' name. One more time, Father, help me to discern grapes from thorns. Enhance my spiritual intelligence. Shepherd my life in Jesus' name. Does anybody agree with that prayer? Shepherd my life. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one Flesh. That was the original kingdom agenda. For the two to become one flesh. What two? Male and female. I don't care what society has embraced. I don't care what society has endorsed. The original kingdom agenda. Jesus says from the beginning, the original kingdom agenda was for male and female to cleave to one another and the two become one. So I think the question that we should ask ourselves before you catch feelings is, could I become one with that? Maybe this is the question that you should ask yourself before you introduce them to your family. How many more men are you going to introduce to your daughter, ma'am? This is what, the fourth, the fifth man? How many more women, sir? Maybe the question we should ask ourselves is, could I become one with that? Before we engage in sexual immorality, before we have an orgasm exchange, maybe the question that we should ask ourselves is, could I become one with that? Because I understand that you like his beard, but I need you to understand, you're not just getting his beard, you're getting everything that he's attached to. Beard is an accessory. Character is an attachment. You're not just getting their accessory, you're getting everything that they're attached to. Could you become one with that? I know that she's fine, bro, and she got more curves than a highway. Her lips appear to be so soft, but you're not just getting her curves and not just getting her lips. That's her accessories. You are getting everything that she is attached to. And I want to know, could you become one with that? 
Could you become one with that? Ask somebody around you, could you become one with that? Could you, y'all don't want to ask each other. <laughs> could you become one with that? It's the attachments. It's the attachment. This, this is the method that Tanisha and I had. We kept it private until we knew it was permanent. Nobody knew that we were talking except our pastors, our counselors, our premarital counselors, and our family. To everybody else, we popped up engaged. <laughs> they didn't know that I, I recognized I'd rather figure out if this is God in private so I don't have to deal with the embarrassment in public. Maybe the question we should ask ourselves is, could I become one with that? You're not just getting his body, ma'am. You're not just getting her embrace, sir. You're getting everything that they are attached to. I know he's handsome, but he's attached to a storm. Are you sure you want to become one with that? I know that she's fine, sir, but she's attached to bitterness. Are you sure you want to become one with that? I know that y'all have history together, but he's attached to rage. You saw a glimpse of that the last time he didn't, dis he didn't agree with you, and y'all had a strong disagreement because that's what out-of-control anger does. It crushes hearts when it doesn't get its way. Are you sure you want to become one with that? Are you sure you want to become one with that? Because you're going to get all of the attachments. She just down for me, bro. Never met nobody like her. Okay. But, but she's attached to a lion spirit. She's attached to a lion spirit. You're not just getting the fineness. That's her accessory. You're also getting the attachments that they have as well. Do you want to become one with all of that? Do you have Bible to corroborate your claim? Yes, I do. I'm glad you asked. Jonah chapter 1. Everybody on board was getting wet because of what Jonah was attached to. <laughs> Soaked. Because of what Jonah was attached to. Ooh, I wonder who in the sanctuary and who watching online is soaked in pain and is soaked with suffering and is soaked with depression because of somebody's attachment that you call babe. Attachment. Now, I've spoke about Jonah before, but I saw something in Jonah's life that I never saw before. I ran and told Tanisha, I said, dude, I never saw this. I never saw this. These sailors were godless, okay? They said, okay, wake up and call on your God. And the Bible says they all called on their gods too. But these sailors, this is what I caught when I was studying that I totally missed. These sailors knew this storm is not natural, it's spiritual. They didn't have what you have. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't have you version that could read the Bible to you. They weren't even filled with the Holy Spirit. But something around them said, okay, this is due to somebody. I'm stressed out and I have a good life. This stress is coming from somewhere. I'm crying and my hair is falling out. It's coming from somewhere. Y'all don't believe me, huh? All right, why you look? Jonah chapter 1. Verse, verse 7, I want you to see this. Jonah chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible. <laughs> 
Y'all seeing this? Who is responsible for this calamity? Then the lot fell on Jonah. So I bet these dudes were like, okay, I'm a sailor. This is what I do. Okay? I've sailed through several storms before. This wind is a little different. <laughs> I've been through bad rain. I'm a sailor. Y'all think about this. Imagine the text. This is what I do. I've been in rain. I've experienced waves. I've experienced storms. I've experienced wind. But this thing that I'm experiencing has to be due to somebody around me. And these guys didn't have the Holy Spirit. Didn't have all 66 books of the Bible. Didn't have sermons you could YouTube and binge, but they had enough spiritual intelligence to know this is coming from somebody. This, this storm, it's not due to what we did. This is due to somebody around us. I bet they were like, okay, we have grace for storms we created. But why am I tolerating walking through puddles from a downpour that's not my storm? How bad was that storm where they were able to recognize through all of our sailor experience, this one is somebody's fault? I want you to think. This is due to who I'm connected to. How many more times will you get soaked until God has your attention that you're harboring a fugitive? This is not somebody that belongs to me. This is somebody who's running from me. And they're not doing what I asked them to do. And since you're trying to entertain somebody who's not doing what I asked them to do, you're getting wet from a storm that's not even yours. This is so good, y'all. They were able to identify this is kind of dysfunctional. And understand dysfunction's child is drama. Dysfunction's child is drama. Drama doesn't just show up out of anywhere. You either create it, bring it, or hang with those who spawn it. All right, Tiffany, come here real quick. I, I want you guys to really, really understand this. That's okay. I need y'all to understand. Everybody has baggage. Can I get somebody to say everybody? Everybody. So th this is going to be her baggage. When you only go off of how they look and your preference, this is all you come with. But this is everything I come with. She's not just getting me. She's getting everything that I bring along with me. So come a little closer. In our marriage, we would literally look like this. A lot. Now I'm going to put this on you. Now this is what people like to do. And so while he's dating you, or while you're dating her, I feel good. <laughs> I feel good. And then I'll say stuff like, why are you tripping, girl? <laughs> Am I preaching? She just be tripping sometimes. She be on one sometimes. I don't understand why she be acting like that. It's because you haven't recognized your attachments and you're putting all of them on her. Okay. Now, you know what I've noticed? Just drop them all. Now, keep yours, keep yours, because you got them. <laughs> this is why some breakups leave you feeling lighter. Yeah. This is so good, y'all. 
They leave you feeling lighter because the attachments that they had, they put on you. Does this make sense? And this is why some breakups crush you so much because when they broke up with me, they gave me back all my baggage. And some people literally walking, walk around trying to see who could take this weight from me. And it comes out as, I'm so lonely. I'm so bored. I don't have anybody. I'm trying to find somebody to take this loneliness weight from me. But all of us have baggage. Wouldn't it be better if we came out marriage like this? You're never going to come with nothing. Because all of us got problems. Everybody. Amen? amen? If you don't say amen, your problem is lying. <laughs> we all got problems. So the beauty of counsel is it will rid me of baggage that I don't need to be carrying. And for the rest of our lives, what we have to strive to do is become one. But you're never going to be perfect because you got your own baggage. Now, you can put it down, Tiffany. Thank you so much. Y'all clap it up for, uh, for Tiffany. Now, look. What, what I've recognized is when you heal, many times you'll discover the attachments that you're holding some of them aren't even yours. This is what my ex said. That's it. This is what mama did. This is me comparing myself to everything that they post. Once you heal, you'll discover you're carrying stuff that's not even yours. Because you don't just get the person. You also get their attachments. See, this is why on Therapy Thursday, I was trying to get us to understand it's okay if you're not ready yet. Church will tell you it's your season. No, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not because right now you look like this. Maybe, maybe it's not your season. Maybe I'm not ready because I'm still carrying all of this baggage. Can I go a little deeper and mess us up? You know why some of our relationships keep failing? It's because you are emotionally unavailable to receive the love that God cosmically created for you to receive. You're unavailable. And you push away what God is trying to use to take this away. I'm emotionally unavailable. I'm going to give you an example. Man, why are they always so nice? What he want? It's always kind, always smiling. What you want, man? What? I'm like, okay, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 does tell us that love is kind. <laughs> and, but that's what pain does. It makes you suspicious. Makes you suspicious. And so now you aren't even available because you have been built by God to experience kindness. Because love is kind. Love is patient. You have been made to experience those qualities. But because of all of this, I'm pushing away everybody who would take it. I'm pushing away churches. I'm pushing away therapists. I'm pushing away brothers and sisters that God is sending trying to help you take this away. But I'm not even emotionally available to receive what God is trying to send me. And sometimes 
We hold on to these attachments for so long that you label them as your personality. It's like I'm an introvert. Were you always like that? Is it possible you are? You were always an introvert. Or was it something happened and you carried these for so long that you start to label yourself by the pain? Is that who you really are? Or is it I have weighed myself down for so long that I don't even dream anymore? <laughs> I don't even hope anymore. Because of everything that I've gone through, I'm carrying this attachment. Man, I, I wish that we could understand, believe it or not, godly men like women who have standards. Okay, I'm going to have to preach. All right. Believe it or not, godly men do like women who have standards. Why would I want what's easy for the next man to get? How, how are your standards too high if you serve the most high? Now, hold up before you amen. There's a difference between a standard and a preference. A standard is he loves Jesus. A preference is he got to be six feet. <laughs> See? But, but truthfully, <laughs> all right, listen, Lord, I got to be six feet. <laughs> okay, so you will reject God's will for a brother who's 5'8 and entertain what hell sent because he's 6'2? Make it make sense. <laughs> this is one reason why I believe that this, this conversation of men who don't desire to get married anymore, the reason that exists is because there's no upgrade. There's no upgrade. I'm getting all covenant benefits. Like, your ring finger is naked, and so is your body, but you still don't have my last name. <laughs> Why would I marry you? Why would I marry you? There is no upgrade. When you are in covenant, there should be something that you now get that you did not get before. I got to preach this, y'all. I get the sex now, I get the cooking now, I get the money now, I get your bank account number now, I know your pin now. Why would I marry you? There is nothing to, up, to upgrade to. And the hurtful thing about my generation is a lot of times sisters have just adjusted to it. As long as he provides, I'm cool. You laugh, but I'm serious. Now, for married people, I do want you to understand that there's a difference between toxic and maturity is needed. Okay? Something that is toxic is damaging. Something that is maturing is developing. Okay? There's a difference. My son is six years old. He is not toxic. He's not. He is six. If I give him a box cutter and some scissors, now he can not only be damaging to you, but he could also be damaging to himself. And then you would question me as a father on why would I give him something 
Why would I give him something that would hurt him and hurt others? Well, your heavenly father is the same way. Right now, you are damaging. And if I were to give you somebody, you would hurt them and hurt you. I know we're not going to clap there. I know. I know. Gosh, I, I wish, I wish more of us had this wisdom. I wish more of us had this wisdom. You're not just getting their body. You're not just getting their time and their presence. You are also getting the presence of all of their attachments. But that's not always a bad thing. Because some people have good attachments. This is one of the most popular scriptures in all of Christendom. You probably have it memorized. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, it says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Now, I want you to notice. It says, finds a wife. So she was a wife before she was found. Okay, this is why, ooh, this is why some of your relationships keep failing because you become girlfriend. But you were called to be, y'all don't want to talk to me. You're not girlfriend. Nowhere will you see girlfriend in the Bible. You are friends and then married. You're a wife before your wife. Wife is the title. Help meet is the function. Look, look, look. It says, okay, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Break it down a little deeper. God looked at Adam and said, it's not good. <laughs> so good, y'all. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. He looked at Adam and said, it's not good good for man to be alone so when he made woman he made the good y'all catching this sisters you better not walk around and think you're nothing and think that you have no value and think you're not worth anything your original agenda was to be the good that's how God made you it's not good for him to be alone Adam wasn't broken though he was already killing it he just couldn't be fruitful and multiply so I need the good to help him meet places that he could not meet without, with his own effort. So when I bring a woman or allow a woman to be discovered by a man, it should be he is discovering the good that I could not do without you. It's not that I need you. It's that I'm limited without you. God, I hope you're getting this. Look, y'all. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. What is her attachment? Favor. Her attachment is favor. Every godly woman, she's attached to favor. Every daughter of the king, she's attached to favor. I know a lot of us brothers, we think we're fly. And you might be. I'm not knocking it. I know that you might think you're dope. And you might be. I'm not knocking it. But there's another level of a kingdom upgrade. There is another level of a kingdom promotion. There is another level of a kingdom elevation. Once you find a godly woman, she gives you her favor. It's the same thing for brothers. Brothers can have favor too. Bible all day. Noah was faithful and he obtained favor from the Lord. And everybody who is connected to Noah benefited from his favor. Maybe this is why you're experiencing so much pain, sis. You're settling for ark builders instead of, you're settling for flood producers instead of ark builders. 
I'm allowing my life to be flooded with pain. Every attachment isn't bad. I'm trying to get a whole generation of men to value the good. Not view them as goods. All right. Favor on her becomes favor in your marriage. I know for a fact that my life, my ministry is not because of my intelligence. It's because the goodness of God, the grace of God, my strive to obey him and my wife. I know that. I tell ministers all the time. They begin to ask me, man, it just seems like you flow. What's the secret? Having a good marriage, bro. You study better when you and your wife love each other. You study better when your life is cheering you on when you preach versus she's sitting there looking irritated because she knows everything that you preach you are not at home. And you have good words to say for the church, but you have horrible words to say to me. It doesn't matter about your gift. Are you nice as a husband? So I don't have to fake content. You can look at my bride and see she's glowing. I'm not just boasting that. You can tell. I have a happy wife. And a lot of pastors can't say that because they have great gifts, but they treat their wives like crap. But favor moves you. I want, I want you to see this. One of my favorite biblical icons, Esther. Anybody heard of Esther? I want to just read one verse where you can see kind of what favor does. Esther chapter 2, verse 9. It says, now the young woman pleased him, speaking of the king, and, he obtained, and she obtained his Favor. Now I want you to look at what favor does. So he readily gave her beauty preparations to her besides her allowance. Then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace. And he moved her. Somebody say moved. He moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the house of women. Favor moves you. If you're Noah, it moves you from coming wrath to being the first person who ever built a cruise line called Noah's Ark. Favor moves you. If you're David, it moves you from being in the pasture with sheep to now being in the palace with servants. Favor moves you. If you're Joseph, it moves you from being in prison to now being the second most powerful man in all of Egypt because that's what favor does. It moves you. If you're one of the children of the king, favor moved you from being punished due to our sin to now being called a son of the king or a daughter of the king because favor moves you. If you're Ruth, it moves you from gleaning in the field to now being the wife of the owner of the field because favor moves you. Every attachment is not bad. Could I become one with that. And I noticed this, one of the main constructs, like the heartbeat throughout the fabric of scripture is oneness. Jesus says it, the two shall become one. More Bible where you can see this, John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus is praying, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be, what's that word? One. Father, just as you are in me and I 
am in you. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. All throughout the fabric of Scripture, one of the heartbeats of God is oneness. And you're telling me you never asked yourself, could I become one with that? Now, 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 this is probably the most important part of the whole message. Of the whole message. This is one of the most important parts. Whoever you decide to become one with and whoever you pick will empower what's in your bloodline or will empower you to break it. Did y'all hear what I just said? This is not about cold weather and pumpkin, pumpkin spice lattes. This is about whoever you pick will have generational momentum. Whoever you become one with, by default, you align your children and your unborn children to experience a healthy kingdom template or to experience a broken, dysfunctional cycle. I'm not up here trying to give you relationship advice or to be somebody's love doctor. I'm trying to redeem the original kingdom agenda. Generations will be affected by your pick. I just keep attracting the wrong ones. This is not an attraction, ma'am or sir. This is salt. This is hell trying to perpetuate a narrative of broken homes in the earth. If we read two weeks ago that God desires off godly offspring, then where do you think Satan traffics the most? In your relationships. Because it will disrupt the original kingdom agenda. It's more than just your relationship and your bay. This is about you fostering, cultivating, and leaving a legacy of health. Hell desires a generational, generational narrative over your life and your bloodline. But heaven desires some generational trendsetters. Can I get somebody to decree and declare this over your life? Touch your chest and say, I'm the generational trendsetter. Yeah, I'm the one. I'm the one that's going to be the prototype. I'm the one that's going to break the cycle. I'm the one that's going to be the forerunner. I'm the one that's going to have a healthy marriage. I'm the one that's going to be kingdom in my singleness. I'm the one that's going to have kingdom children. I'm the one. This is where it starts. It's more than just who you date. It's does your pick help the original kingdom agenda? Jesus said from the beginning. Why did he go from the beginning? Because that's what God designed. What I'm about to say may hurt some, but it's the truth. Satan has always been after the man. And throughout this series, we're going to hit men hard. And it's not male bashing. It's redeeming the original kingdom agenda. He's always been after the men. Genocide in the Old Testament, genocide in the New Testament. Because it's easier to overtake a kingdom when there's no king there. It's easier to break down a home infrastructure when there's a man there who won't fight. And I'm not talking about fight his bride. I'm talking about know how to fight in the spirit and know how to fight for purity and know how to fight for his children and know how to fight for his home. How about let's normalize faithfulness. Let's normalize godliness and purity in our men so that your sons and your daughters won't try to fight it in another man. So that your sons and your daughters won't try to fight it in a gang, but they found it at home with daddy. 
Hell has always been after the man. And that's an indirect attack on the woman. And you know what the attack is? Some of us think it's like a demonic force. No, his attack is exhaustion. Preach Holy Spirit. She's doing the best that she can as a single mother. She's going to the football games. She's going to the soccer games. She's pushing her children through college. I am blown away at the power of a woman. But she's exhausted. And the reason she's tired is because she's lifting a weight that she was never designed to lift. I know this isn't the norm. She wasn't meant to do this on her own. Now God will give her the grace and God will give her the strength and God will give her the community. But the original kingdom agenda was for there to be a man in that home and for there to be a woman in that home who are married, not cohabitating, but are married to one another and are raising their children in the way of the scriptures. I know it's not normal. I know it's not the normal. I know it might sting, but it is the original kingdom agenda. And far be it from me if I adjust my messages to accommodate culture versus speaking about the Bible's original kingdom agenda. She's tired. She's tired. And that's because the warfare strategy of hell is to hit the man which will indirectly exhaust the woman. So now we have sisters saying, are there any more godly men left? Is there another shipment coming? Do you have anything in the back? (laughs) So many of us settle because we are out of position. We're out of position. So we settle for Ishmael. And if we don't have conversations like this, there are wives who are upset. Wives married because change is not hitting your husband's heart because we aren't normalizing sermons like this. Hear me. Listen. Listen. You have to be exposed to this, exposed to this amount of content because you can't renounce what has not been announced I'm announcing God's original kingdom agenda. So you can't renounce in your life what is not his will if it has not been announced to you. You can't fight a stronghold if you don't know it exists. You can't shut a closed door if you don't know it's open. So we need preaching that will show us what was God's original design. So some wisdom. Four heart types and I'm done. I think this is enough for y'all can handle for right now. Four heart types. So if, if I'm looking for God's will, or if I'm married, how can I improve my marriage? Number one, there must be a reciprocity heart. Have you talked to this brother or this woman long enough to see, do they have a heart of reciprocity? Can I ask you all a question? If I gave back to you what you give to me, would you feel poured into or abused? Reciprocity. If I talk to you and treat you how you treat me, would you feel poured into or abused? Because value awareness grows from the soil of reciprocity. 
Did y'all hear what I just said? Value awareness <laughs> grows from the soil of reciprocity. You could always tell how valuable you are to somebody by their reciprocity. If they never give back, they really don't value what you carry. Serving hearts. I'm talking about secure and serve, not complain and serve. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. <laughs> for this is the law and the prophets. So I'm looking for a reciprocity heart. Number two, I'm looking for an expressive heart. A heart that does not express or communicate what hurts is owned by a wounded host. Say it one more time. A heart that does not express or communicate what hurts is owned by a wounded host. Do they know how to talk when they're angry? Do they know how to talk things through? This is so good, y'all. Even in your marriage, how is their language when they talk to you or they don't? Now, for sisters, you have to be very aware of this. If a brother ever tells you what hurts, don't you dare use it as emotional blackmail. Okay? I'm speaking directly to my sisters because they're the ones that always say, he doesn't talk, I want him to talk. What do you do with it? When I give it to you, is it ammo? Can I show you I'm Clark Kent and you still treat me like Superman? All right. And I was trying to say this on Therapy Thursday. A man or a woman who doesn't talk is relationally congested. The mucus of pain, the mucus of regret, that doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means if you kiss, if you kiss them, you will catch a cold. Expressive heart. It is how we become depressed. Depression is the real you pressed down. Third heart to look for, the integral heart. Do they have integrity? Ooh, it's quiet. Online, y'all should hear how quiet it is. I feel like I'm in a Catholic church. <laughs> integral heart. Why is that important? Because integrity is the fruit of commitment. The word commit shows up in the Bible over 164 times. So there's a 100% chance, 164% chance that your commitment is married to your outcome. Whatever outcome you want, how committed are you? Integral heart. Are they okay with being sexually immoral with you? Sitting under a sermon like this and still could do it? integral hearts not just her but him too there were times I told Tanisha when she flew in town she lived in Oklahoma City I lived in Houston there were times I told her we, we're not going out tonight why I'm just not strong tonight she's my fiance I'm honest enough to tell you that she wasn't like oh you're not strong tonight daddy <laughs> she didn't do that <laughs> you're struggling tonight I can help that we laugh, but some men look for it. And some women will engage in it. I said, okay, what do you want to do? Let's just stay at my mom's house tonight. Stay and watch a movie. 
integral heart will help you keep your commitment. The last one, excuse me, I'm sorry, I didn't read the scripture. Psalms 37, verse 5. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. You know why we're not seeing any action from our prayers? We have no commitment. Committed hearts look for attributes. Scandalous hearts look for avenues. This series is so good, y'all. I could tell. Just part one. Last heart type you want to look for is a kind heart. Are you kind? Kindness always filters the tongue. Kind. Kindness always filters the tongue. I cannot have a condescending tongue when my heart is filled with kindness. You can tell somebody's heart by their tongue. And kindness is fostered by gratitude. The most important thing I want you to remember about kindness is kindness is the hygiene for the heart. It washes away pity. kindness are they kind in your marriage are you kind forget all the love stuff are you kind nice this kindness is hygiene for the heart Ephesians 4 verse 32 and be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another please know if it's hard for you to forgive don't get in a relationship and don't get married because marriage requires two great forgivers. Did y'all hear me? Marriage requires great forgivers. If you are strong with keeping records, don't get married. Because they are imperfect and they got an attachment just like you do. The greatest difficulty of marriage is for you to know all of their issues and still see them as the good. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. So for part one, I just wanted to remind you, what was God's original kingdom agenda? And all throughout scripture, you'll see this command for oneness. So for singles, the question you need to ask yourselves is, could I become one with that? And for married, maybe the reason our marriage is struggling it's because we're not one not one in the way we raise our children not one with finances there is no oneness there's enduring but not enjoying so let's pray God thank you for a word that reminded us of the original kingdom agenda we understand that it is not the norm in our society but we were not created to be normal. We are pilgrims here. This is not our home. We're just passing through. Help us to recognize that the choices we make has generational momentum. And give, give us the wisdom to not embrace things that you have not endorsed. Because God, you desire kingdom marriages and kingdom singles and kingdom was what you were most passionate about as you were preaching. Help us to be kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.